Hi there and welcome to Global Heart Church. Uh, I'm Jared Keane, the senior pastor, and wherever you are tuning in from around the world today, really, really hope and pray that in our planning of this message that it's going to really inspire you for the great journey that you are on and uh, for the great calling that you have in your own life. So enjoy the message and really pray that it's a blessing to you today. Fantastic. Well, I'm going to preach tonight on hope. And I'd love to start by reading a scripture for us tonight. And so if you've got your Bibles or you can look at the screens, we're going to look at Romans chapter 5, verse 13 together. Let's check it out. It says this, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I'll just read it again. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I'll just read it again, but almost as a declaration over you. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I don't know if you feel the same way, church, but I definitely feel like nowadays, just in society and in culture, and across the world, really, we are just surrounded by hopelessness. Uh, situations and individuals in circumstances where there's such a lack of hope. There's such a lack of belief that there's good things to come or good things to happen. Or at least there's hope, but it's not grounded in anything of substance. Right. People are just placing their hope in the randomest of things, the randomest of concepts, the randomest of people. And, you know, people can put their hope in temporal things. And you and I can do this as well, where we put our hope in money, we put our hope in power, and we can put our hope in people. Um, We can also do this, everybody. We can put our hope in our own efforts, that I can attain something, I can make something of myself. And sometimes we put hope in our own efforts in the sense of, I must do it myself. I hope that I can. And the other thing we can do, we can put our hope in desires. Uh, Maybe you've got hope, but it's grounded in the concept of one day having a spouse or going on a certain holiday um, or maybe a relocation of some some sort. But we can put our hope in all sorts of things that are actually lacking real substance to it. Because the problem with putting your hope in finance is that finance comes and finance goes. The problem with putting your hope in people is that people come and people go. And the problem in putting your hope in holidays or situations is that holidays come and holidays go. You come back from Bora Bora. (laughs) What do you do next? Now you've got to go to Bali. Bali. (laughs) And you go to Bali, you have to come home at some point. Everybody, you today can have hope and true hope because of Jesus Christ, because of what happened at Christmas, because of what we celebrate at Christmas time, the coming of Jesus Christ, God's one and only Son, God in the flesh, the Word became flesh in Jesus, all the Godhead dwells bodily, came from heaven to earth, born of a virgin, in a manger, and in that unlikely place, and in that unlikely supernatural circumstance, you in 2023 in Perth, Western Australia, can have real hope. Not hope in something fleeting, not not hope in something that comes and goes, 
not hope in something that's up and down as we are, but something stable, which is God's Son, who came, lived a sinless life, died the death we deserved, rose again, ascended to God the Father in heaven, released His Spirit upon the earth. You and I have real hope. And Christmas celebrates that hope. Our only hope is Jesus. And I think, this is my opinion, I think we often aren't specific enough when we're describing what Christmas is all about. And I, I see this on the internet where that even with maybe Christians or believers, they say, what is Christmas about? They say, Christmas is about light. And you're like, that light? <laughs> what do you mean? Or Christmas is about joy. And you're like, the joy of prawns on Boxing Day? Like, what are we talking about? I think it helps us to get specific that Christmas is about hope. That I was destined for an eternity away from God. That I was destined to just wallow in my brokenness and in my sin. But because God sent His Son, I have hope for this side of eternity. That I can be transformed, that I can be changed, that I can experience freedom. But I've also got hope for the other side of eternity. That I don't have to spend it in hell, absent from God. But I can be in the presence of God in heaven. That's what hope's about. Now if someone says, what's Christmas? about you don't obviously give them that four sentence statement I just made but it's hope because of Jesus Christ it's hope for the future it's also hope for today it's hope for tomorrow even in a strange way it's hope for your past as well that your past you can be set free from it that you can be saved from it you can be healed from it it really is hope for yesterday hope for today hope for tomorrow Before I move on, we're going to read some more scripture. I will just mention that coming up next Saturday and Sunday is the Nativity in the City. And I think we have a picture here. And the reason I mention it is because it's going to be in Forest Chase and they're going to be presenting the Nativity. Uh, Just look at the picture of me for a moment. (laughs) There it is. But what's so cool about it, next week in Forest Place, this event's been running for a few years now. And a few thousand people go, and a lot of it is foot traffic, and it's people that weren't intending to be there, but just are there. This is the first year that they are having a moment to share the gospel and have an altar call. And uh, what's really cool is, um, yeah. And what's really cool is that um, Sam Sheedy is going to be singing at it, and um, they've actually asked me to do the altar call, which is so cool. So... So I say that to say this, next Saturday, there's going to be an altar call in the middle of the city. And we'd be great to have some of us there. But more importantly, if people respond, we want to be there to pray. Uh, We want to be there to encourage what God's doing. And so I'm excited for that. So I just want to mention that. Um, Luke chapter 2. Let's go to Luke chapter (laughs) 2. Sorry, I should have mentioned it at the start and I forgot, so it appeared in my notes. Alright, Luke chapter 2. Let's look a little bit of the Christmas story here. Uh, then i got three points and then we're going we're gonna to pray. So Luke chapter 2 says this, verse 1. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. Uh, this was the first census that took place while such and such was the governor. <laughs> And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth to Galilee and Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he he belonged to the house 
and line of David. He, he went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. And she wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Lots of translations say great joy for all mankind, which is snuck into some carols. Verse 11, today in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favour rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. You know, the original intent of this whole season is to celebrate and remember the story of Jesus' birth. And often referred to, and rightly so, the greatest story ever told. And I love in the song, Oh Holy Night, there's that line that says, A thrill of hope, a weary world rejoices. A thrill of hope. And I just think at the message of Jesus, at the gospel, we should have that thrill of hope come into our heart. Where this excitement at the prospect that the future holds good things, that my eternity holds God within it. Well, hope means this. This is the definition, a desire of some good. I like this bit, accompanied or accompanied with at least a slight expectation of obtaining it or a belief that it is obtainable. The Christmas story, everybody, absolutely is a story of hope. And it's a hope for you, true hope, hope for all humanity. At the same time as it's hope for you as an individual, it's hope for everybody. The young, the old, the rich, the poor, for every corner of the earth, every people group, every gender, every social status, every position of power. The gospel's the great equaliser, that the good news is for everybody and everybody needs it. It's that you and I can have an expectation of good because we can have an expectation of God. An expectation of God to wash over our sin and then to grace you for today and to go before you in the future. Hope that your past sins can be forgiven. And I've got just three points that are going to come up on the screen. Here's what the story of Christmas does for us. It's it's reminding us and celebrating freedom from my past. There'll be many of you here tonight that are desperate for freedom from your past. And what sin does, so sin, it it seeks to destroy us by its nature, disobedience to God, um, turning away from God's way. Any decision to do that, at its core, it brings about destruction in your life. But the other thing that sin tries to do, 
And it's really the nature of Satan and the enemy is that it seeks to define you. But Christ has sought us out and he sought to free us from our destructive sin, but then also to correctly define us. Where Jesus Christ comes and he lives the life we couldn't, dies the death we deserved. And within that whole story, he is redefining who you are. And it's actually not a redefinition. It's a correct definition. It's undoing what our sin has tried to teach us that we are. And God comes down and shows us that we are his children. That we we can be made whole and set free. Because the reality is, is that everybody has regrets. But more importantly than that, everybody has sinned. We have all disobeyed God. The Bible paints this so clearly where all have fallen short of the glory of God. No man is righteous, not even one. The bondage that sin places us in, Jesus Christ came to lift off us. No matter what regret you carry, shame you carry, the sins you have committed, the sins you know you've done, the sins you don't know you've done, there is hope for that. Jesus Christ came that the weight of sin and shame and regret could be lifted off of your shoulders. That those who would put their faith and listen, their hope in the finished work of the cross could have their sins forgiven, their sins thrown as far as the east is from the west. I wanted to make a New Zealand joke because that's usually what Pastor Jared does, but I don't know what the further... From from Auckland to Montreal, your sins are thrown. (laughs) 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says this, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ... The new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us We implore you, I implore you, on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Can I implore you tonight, no matter what you've done, where you've come from, how hopeless a situation you find yourself in, be reconciled to God. God is seeking you out to reconcile you back to Himself. God desires to be in relationship with you. God loves you. God wants to walk with you this side of eternity and spend the other side with you. Be reconciled to God. You know, the picture of the nativity, and we've even got one out in the foyer, it, it is that picture of the new baby. And and it's an image of new life. And like that scripture I just read, what you have an opportunity to have by putting your hope in Christ is to experience new life, to be born again. You can have freedom from your past and then out of that, God really empowers you for today. And so this is the second point, power for today. Freedom from your past, power for today. Romans 15 verse 5 to 6 says, May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind towards each other that Christ Jesus had, so that with one mind and one voice you may glorify the God and Father 
of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then later in verse 13, which I read earlier, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. You receive grace, mercy, strength and power for today. Power and hope. You know, the Bible tells us that Jesus came to give you life and life abundantly, life to the full, where you are no longer having to be a victim, but you are now empowered by God to be a victor. Not in your own strength, but in the strength afforded to you by God. Supernaturally, supernatural strength, supernatural ability, supernatural power. I love what the Bible says, if God is for us, who can be against us? When we receive new life and we're born again, God is for us. And all that was opposing us before, you are now empowered to challenge in a way that you could not before. You will live an empowered life. I just know at the core of who I am, I wake up every day and I feel like I'm walking out an empowered life by the grace of God. It's not because I'm a legend or because I'm awesome. Quite the opposite. I'm broken. I'm cooked. I've said yes to Jesus. And now I'm living an empowered life. Have I got any cooked friends in the house tonight? Just a couple of quick things, okay. Jesus came to show us the way. But the other thing that happens is Jesus also left. He rose again after dying, but his body ascended into heaven, but his spirit was gifted to us. Jesus was a representation of God with us, and then his spirit is a reminder that God can be in us, that God wants to live within us. My last point is hope for the future. Hope for the future. Not, not just a good expectation, as I defined it before, but uh, not just a good expe- expectation about tomorrow, but a really good expectation about eternity. Yeah. A really good expectation about eternity with this belief that it can happen. Yeah. Yeah. 1 John 5.10 says, Whoever believes in the Son of God accepts this testimony. Whoever does not believe God has made him out to be a liar because they have not believed the testimony God has given about his son. And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life and this life is in his son. I'll just read that again, verse 11. And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life and this life is in his son. Whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have the son of God does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. 1 Peter 1 verse 3 to 6 says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. Hope for the future. Amen. You know, the hopelessness that we see around the world, it's warranted because a life away from God is hopeless. Yeah. Yeah. An eternity without Christ, without God, is hopeless. Yeah. And God in His love, grace and mercy has given us the option has created the choice that you can make 
to step into a hope-filled eternity by putting your hope in Jesus Christ, where you don't have a fear of death, but you know that on the other side you have eternity with God the Father. I think one of the things that believers hold which is unique is this lack of a fear of death. You know, the only reason I don't want to die is because I know I've got things to do this side of eternity. I know I've got a mission. I know that God's empowered me to achieve things this side of eternity. I want to get to the other side having done what he put me here to do. But I'm not afraid of death because I know that it's eternity with God. There's not a fear in my soul. It's a peace that I have and I've received it only by God. God wants to give peace to you this side of eternity and and peace in your heart as you await the next. This conviction that I have is that I don't know what the future holds. Contrary to what people think, pastors aren't psychics. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow or in six months. I don't know what the future holds, but I firmly know who holds my future. I know that God's authored it. I know that God... I know that God has plans for my future and they're good plans and they're plans that are not only going to be good good for me but good for others ultimately good for glorifying him so I don't know what's to come and I and I want to stir you not to ask the wrong questions of what's in my future but ask the question of who have I entrusted my future to am I aware of who holds my future have I given my future to God Because if I haven't given my future to God, I'd be worried about it too. But I know that it's resting in safe hands. And it's resting in the hands of the one who ultimately knows what I need, knows what I'm called to, knows what's in me. And here's the thing, he knows what the future holds. I'll just invite the team to join me. I'll just close with this scripture. Uh, Romans 10 verse 9. We, We often quote this when we give an opportunity for people to respond to Jesus. It says this, it says, If you declare with your mouth... Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As Scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. For there is now no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You know, the Christmas message, the Christmas story, it is one of hope. But more specifically, the hope we have because of Jesus Christ. The hope that you can have for this life and the hope you can have for the next. And what's so amazing about the whole thing is that the hope that we have, it's anchored in what He did. It's such a unique belief system, Christianity, because it's, it's one where the God makes the first move, doesn't invite you on a pilgrimage, but does the pilgrimage, doesn't set the price that you have to pay, but He is the price. He pays it. His life. And He is the one reaching out to the broken. We don't have to attain some sort of status. Christianity is really about accepting the broken status we have. And then God in His grace bestows gifts a new one on us. And 
when I, whenever I tell someone about the gospel, when I talk to someone who's not a Christian and I sort of unpack the Christian faith, it often lands in this place of like, well, then what do you do? What are you supposed to do? Like, what are Christians supposed to do? What do you have to do? And the answer is pretty much like nothing. I don't have to do anything except what was just in that scripture. I believe and I confess. I express my belief through confession. And then each day by faith, I just trust God. And I'm putting my faith not just in necessarily Jesus. And I know that sounds funny, but I'm putting my faith in Jesus Christ's life, in His death and in His resurrection. And I'm putting my faith in the fact that those actions are the only way by which I can be saved. I believe that He was God, that He died, rose again and ascended into heaven. And because of that act, because of what He did, I too can have eternity in heaven. It's not something I have to do. It's not a status I have to attain. The hope I have is in His coming, His actions, and then His instructions. By which if I follow that, I can step into a hope-filled today and a hope-filled future. No matter what you've done, there's hope for you. No matter how far you've walked away from God, there's hope for you. Even if you feel tonight, I have no ability, I've got no capacity. Listen, there's hope for you. Because as I just said, you pretty much don't have to do anything except put your hope, your faith and your trust in the finished work of Jesus on the cross, His resurrection, confess it through prayer. And you can experience salvation, the supernatural miracle of salvation. It's not you joining a church. It's not you joining a lifestyle. It's you stepping into the supernatural miracle of salvation. Not spending another day doing life alone, but doing life now in relationship with God the Father. Now doing life in relationship with the one who created you. That's authored a great future for you. One where you're being transformed day by day, being more set free day by day. And then one day you'll spend eternity away from the power of sin, the penalty of sin and the presence of sin. You'll be with God as was always intended. What sin sought to separate, Christ has broken and brought it together. You can be reconciled to God. Thank you so much for joining us online today. Really great to have you with us. And special thanks to those also who give online. Your generosity is making the way for others to hear the message of Jesus, both here in Australia and around the world. If you enjoyed today's message, I'd love to encourage you to share this message with a friend, a workmate, a family member. And let's believe together that it will powerfully impact their life for good in Jesus' name. If you're unable to be with us at one of our church locations, uh, both here in Australia and around the world, please join us online every Sunday for Global Heart at Home on YouTube. God bless and have a great week.